This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. As part of Movember, we are continuing to highlight issues around men's mental and physical health. And this morning, my next guest joined Mental Health Ireland as one of their Voices of Their Library project. Galway native Chris Sherlock is sharing his story to raise awareness of bullying. And Chris joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Chris. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, your bullying began in secondary school. Take me back firstly in primary school. Was everything fine in primary school and did you have any fears or concerns heading into secondary school? No, primary school was absolutely fantastic. Um, I have to say I got out with my teachers. I had a good group of friends, so I was 100%, you know, ready to kind of start secondary school. And I was, I had a bit of nerves going into the secondary, but it was no more than normal. I was a shy kid, so I was kind of like, you know, very sceptical about the whole new thing anyway. But it was nothing that was going to just, you know, like wash off me like a duck, you know, off a duck's back. Because it's it's just really the the getting used to a new building, new teachers, new subjects, etc. You know, so I knew there was going to be a bit of nerves in that, but nothing too bad where I'd I'd struggle, you know. Yeah, where where everybody goes through that with when they're go- making that transition from primary to secondary school, there's almost a nervous excitement uh, about it. And did you have uh, schoolmates from primary going into that school with you? There was a few, but they weren't my usual posse. Let's say, you know, they they, they were they, they were in my class, but I I wouldn't be hanging around with them all the time, you know. So I I, I kind of went in there with just a small few, maybe about four or five at the most, and it was just it was it was different. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't call them like the the usual group I would hang around with, but you know they we were all in it together, regardless if you know what i mean we were we were kind of getting used to things and trying to see and the the system back then now when I say it back then we're talking around two thousand and four two thousand and five, and we were split up into different classes, so there'd be like uh one b one one b two and 
two of my friends that would have came with me, they were in a different kind of class. So I, I would only have one or two when it came to lessons actually in in the class. So it was it was very strange how it was done, but I don't know if it's still done that way to this day, but it was it was more of an isolation. I found at the start, I thought, oh, this is kind of different. And then I was thrown in with a, a whole new group. But it was just the way it went. So how soon did the bullying begin and what form did it take at the start, Chris? Oh, it started straight away, to be honest. It was the first week I was subject to name calling. So everything was kind of thrown at me like faggish, book teeth, you know, loner, all this kind of stuff. It was just ridiculous. Um, but I just thought if I say nothing, they'll eventually get fed up and move on. And I just kind of kept that mindset. And, you know, if you don't kind of act on a bully's uh, reaction or actions, it would just go away. And I I thought that would work genuinely did. But no, it, it didn't. It, it actually got worse as we went into the second week of it. And did you share what was happening with anyone at that stage? No, he's. No. So it was basically I was this 13 year old kid, uh, you know, just settling into a new school. I was trying to make new friends. I was trying to be that, you know, that that kind of teenage cocky kind of guy, you know, trying to impress other lads and kind of blend in because it was an all boys school. So there was, you know, it was trying to like be involved in the, in like a team or a community or whatever I don't play sports so I knew that I was never going to be a part of say a football team or basketball team so I had to try and find other ways to kind of get involved and chat to people and just try and find something in common you know it escalated very quickly and very seriously yeah so the first week was the name calling and then Going into the second week, I had the same thing, but it was just one day I was on a school lunch break and regularly I would phone home to the parents just to check in and let them know how things were going, you know, subject wise and teacher wise, etc. And when I was talking to my mother on the phone this particular day on, on lunch, these two guys came up behind me and out of nowhere just pushed me against the wall, took my phone off me and flung it away and just started choking me out of nowhere and I was in shock you know as you can imagine I was just paralyzed with fear because I wasn't expecting anything like this of course and I just thought what am I going to do here like and there were they were calling, saying who are you on the phone so you shouldn't be on the phone faggot and all this you know it was a lot of the reoccurring stuff and, and these were I older just, these was, were older boys Chris um, I I think there were maybe second year, third years. Okay. Um, so that there would have been a year or two ahead of me, okay. definitely. Okay, and so, and again, you didn't report that or tell your parents about that incident. No, you see, that was the thing. So I was fearful in that moment because of not just what was happening, but when I eventually squirmed out of the situation, I went to the quietest area I could and I phoned back and I and I had to get the phone and my mother was worried about what was happening. Like she says, what happened there? But I just covered it up with saying I dropped the phone, you know, and by the time I rang her back and made the call and they didn't seem to know anything was going on and no one was kind of seeing these situations either. And it, it, that that's kind of why it kept happening, I think, because I wasn't doing anything about it. And I mm. was just so nervous to talk up in case that I would be the rat and make it worse. I know, I know, I know. And a few days later then, there was a very frightening episode. 
yeah, so this was kind of the, the last straw for me. Um, I was going up to class. It was uh, kind of on the top floor of the school and it's an old style building. So there's kind of like hardcore floor. And so up the steps, it's like a, a square version of a spiral staircase. If you kind of get my, mm, I know exactly get the picture. T- typical, typical in a school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, typical school staircase. So, and at the top of each corridor, there was a set of double doors that you'd go through. And there was, you know, it was common for kind of kids to be hanging around and just waiting for the class or whatever. So it was kind of something I was getting used to. But when I was going through these doors to get to my class, the bell had just rang and I was kind of like panicking to get there. And I met these two lads with another lad there and they were waiting for me kind of thing at the top of the stairs and they just kept pushing me away from the door every time I went to go through it. So they kept pushing and shoving. And eventually, um, as a part of the school uniform, I, there was like a polo shirt and they pulled it up over my head and then they just pushed me down the stairs. And I just remember looking up at them and they were laughing and sniggering. And, you know, it was just, it was it was horrible. And whatever way I looked at my hand, there was blood pumping from my, just just kind of, above my elbow to to my wrist there just just under it and I thought oh god and I was shaking then because I didn't know what to do um I I just legged it to the school office uh because I just knew I saw blood I saw red so get help immediately and but the minute I got to the school office luckily there was a school nurse there at the time and she says oh my god what happened to you you know and I just said I, I tripped and fell down the stairs so again I covered that up instantly and I got bandaged up and then my parents were sent for. Do you wish now, Chris, that you had there and then called out the lads that had done that to you? Yeah, I, I do. But it, it's when you're in the situation, it's a different ball game because I was in fear of if I told these lads and I, and I still have to go to school... I I was afraid that this was going to get much, much worse. Now, you know, that is bad, of course, but I just thought this is going to be the end of me if I do rat on them and then I'm going to get more hassle. So I was trying to say nothing and just move on. But it was affecting me at home. You know, I wasn't doing my homework too good. I was losing sleep. I, I kind of, well, I didn't know back then what it was, but I was suffering from PTSD. So I was reliving all these moments in my head and I just, I was afraid to go to school. So I was coming up with scenarios of feeling sick and, you know, trying to like get into class. And uh, and I would be literally only in school on days and I'd be I'd be ringing home to say, pick me up. I'm I'm not feeling too good. So, you know, there's only so long you can basically pretend to be sick. You know, even though I was feeling stressed and kind of anxious, but it wasn't as sick as I thought I was going to be, if you know what I mean. It yeah. was just... But you opened up... Everything to, just... You opened up to your parents then and told them what had happened. I did, yeah. So I had a few days off following that and I went back to the school, say, the following Monday and they... My mum actually walked me to the school gates and because she was a bit worried about me. And I at the school gates, I just saw every memory flash by me uh it was it was like one of those old you know those projector films where you see mm. like all these clips that's what it felt like to me I, what I was watching except it was my life and I thought oh this is going to be worse and worse the more I let it go so I just broke down in hysterics I started kind of like struggling to breathe my chest was tight I didn't understand it at the time as well but it was a panic attack and I my mother was there just watching me like break down and she was wondering what was going on because 
it was just the first she ever heard of it, of course. And we, I was trying to make sense of what was happening. And so we went back and we talked about it. And then we took action in talking to the school. And I did pinpoint who I could pinpoint out of the group. But there was not much done. It was just detention and they got expulsion for about two days. And yeah, it was just, even yeah, they were the, just suspended. They weren't even expelled. And the comment out of the principal about it was your first year beating. Yeah, that's what they said in the first meeting. It's the consequences of being a first year student is what he said to me. And my parents were in the room as well and a, a year ahead teacher. And we all kind of looked at each other and looked at him. And my dad went off the handle. You know, he was like, well, that's it. You know, you're not going back there. Um, you know, you can go to another school. But I didn't want to go back there anyway. But like what kind of principal, you know, would say something like that? Obviously him, but, you know, it. I thought I was dreaming or something. It was weird. I mean, being somebody, a young lad being pushed down a stairs uh, is not a little bit of missing and a first year beating. It's just, it's it's beyond, beyond shocking that a principal could have made that uh, statement. And that really was it for you, Chris. You left school. You did home tuition then for, for a year. You never went back to school after that, did you? No, I was... F- Forced to try and go back on a few uh, occasions. It was, I was given the option of a new school, um, but I was I was just I lost trust in people, Patricia. To be honest with you, because I was thinking, no matter where I go, I could possibly be in that same situation again, and just I I couldn't bear it. Like so, it it, it just it was getting to me every time I would talk to them. The, the educational welfare officer for Galway, he he is actually calling to my door and having meetings with me because this this is how kind of bad it was that I wasn't going back to school. I was missing out on my education. I wanted to go back to school and I knew I needed an education, but every time I went to try something, I was just not able to do it. I I would be sleep you know sleepless nights again and that kind of thing. And I it got to a breaking point, Patricia, where I. I was encouraged at this stage when I was talking to my GP and a teen psychologist in the background of all this that, you know, to go for walks and throw myself into my hobbies. And I just remember one day I had this meeting and this guy, the the education welfare officer said to me, look, you're going to need to go back to school. Otherwise, you're you're going to miss out big time and your life isn't going to be as good as it should be. And I just thought, right, I need to get away from this situation. So I went for a walk. And I was everything was going around in my head, the bullies, the, the my future, what my parents would think of me at this stage, because I was worried that I would let them down and disappoint them and just be a burden. And I just thought, well, do you know what? I, I live near the Gawa canals here. If I go to the canal and jump in, I can't swim. And that's it. Do you know, I'll end my life and I'll be a burden to nobody and I wouldn't have to worry about myself going forward. And and because somebody was watching out from you from above, I think you you seriously thought about throwing yourself into the canal, except some old school friends happened to see you. Yeah, it was actually um, local estate kids here that I grew up with on the street. They were walking home and they just saw me out and about. And all I uh, all I could hear in the distance was a big whistle as I was about to jump in. And it was a stroke of luck that they were there at the time because if it had been 30 seconds later, I, I would have been gone over in. It was just that distraction of them kind of 
reaching out. Do you know, it was a simple act of kindness and a normal day today for them because they just said when they got up to me that, you know, we're heading back to our house playing video games. Do you want to join us? And that was it then. Wow. You know, the, wow. it was finished at that. And they weren't aware of what was going through your head. Have you shared that with them? Um, they they know that I was being bullied, but I didn't exactly tell them um you know, what, what was, was going, going on in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now they've probably heard it since it's the release yeah. of the book and the story, but that it was it was just that that's the dark place I was in and I, I'm so grateful for them and I'm still in touch with them not as much as I'd like to be but you know life just gets in the way I suppose yeah yeah but, uh, and listen to hear you say you're afraid you, you would disappoint your parents you're a much loved son Chris you could never no matter what you do in life you can never disappoint your parents and, and never forget that never forget that okay yeah. so you decided then education the formal education any kind of education was over for you but you thought to yourself, I can do stuff myself. I can educate myself. Yeah, so I was I was nervous when we were told that the tuition had stopped because we were only granted for about not even a year. And then government cuts said otherwise at that time because I was supposed to take me up to my junior cert to try and get the education that I was promised in the beginning. But... When I was left to my own devices at home, I would kind of further educate myself in every way possible. You know, I would do my times tables. I would look up words that I would hear on the TV or the radio because that was always on in our house. So it was my source of kind of education to a degree. So I would kind of thrive on that and I would do maths and I would leave off on parts where my tutor had left. I would just go over what I could and explore the book in my own way, whatever the subject was. And then, of course, you know, the Internet is a great vessel. If it's used right, you can learn stuff and, you know, come across videos. And so I kind of threw myself into hobbies, mostly um, outside of the normal kind of day to day subjects. And I just kind of found myself liking photography. I found myself liking radio, uh, video editing, websites, all that kind of thing. So I would just learn and do the best I could and just kind of thrive on and explore these areas and that's and, and it, that's, it was, that's what you're doing now you're actually you you present a program on radio yeah of course yeah yeah it, it's well my mother always said to me you know you you talk a lot you can never shut up <laughs> so I'm like okay fair enough so she says I can always see you working on radio you know or doing something to that extent and I says well that's the passion so I've always watched you know TV and the people on the radio would always kind of interest me in the conversations and the chats and the banter so I was driven to it more and more so each time and I just thought, well, I want to start my career and the earlier, the better. So I did a good few years ago. So I, I work on a, a local radio station here called Flirt FM in well Galway. Done. Well done, well done. And I know John Paul uh, tuned into you yesterday and he said you've got a great talent and John Paul knows his <laughs> talent. So so well done to you. And I know you've been a great advocate on behalf of mental health and speaking up about bullying and trying to get anti-bullying programmes. And you've gone around and you've spoken at schools have you ever gone back to the school where your incident happened to talk? No, it's actually funny you ask me that because I was only talking about this the other day. Um, I, I pass the school quite regularly, but I've never actually went into the grounds because the day I went in to clear out my locker was the last time. It was a couple of days after the, the meeting of when my dad had uh, and 
my pa- or my parents and me were in talking to the principal and when he made that comment I, I cleared it out and I said I'm never coming back into this building ever again I wanted to see it demolished I, I had that so much hatred for one place um, after what had happened so um, I, I've done school talks um, well with thanks to COVID it's been all online uh, I haven't actually ventured out into schools physically yet but hopefully when it comes to doing mental health talks in the future I can get to go and visit the schools properly but it's amazing to hear some of the stories of people coming forward uh, and and kind of expressing themselves a bit more once they kind of hear someone's relatable story and that's kind of why I well I didn't know it at first but I, I did want to put my story out there in the hope to help others and they can kind of get some sort of relatability to what happened to me and if they're going through something similar to speak up because I was yeah, too late that, to speak up. Is, is is that your main message, Chris, to anyone listening to this? I might listen to the repeat of this or the podcast of this and anyone who is being bullied. You're not the, you're not at fault here. You need to speak up and call it out for what it is. Yeah, you see, so like the Lord, everyone is going through their say their, their stuff. You know, everyone has a problem or whatever. But bullies seem to take their problems out on others because they're either neglected at home or they're trying to be powerful. They're they're trying to literally undermine everyone and get that up that prop or not property ladder. Uh, the the power trip, you know, the popularity ladder is what I should have said. So w- w- when you're when they're trying to climb that ladder, they're they're not thinking about others, they're only thinking about themselves. So it's just all about that. And meanwhile, there's people like me that are shy, that are afraid to kind of like mingle at first or whatever the situation, we're, we're the victim of that. So it's nothing that we have done as a victim. You know, if they're, if someone's picking on you, it's not definitely not your fault. Go talk to your parents, talk to your teachers, you know, talk to anyone that's willing to listen or who you feel comfortable with and said, this is what's happening. I'd like to get help. I don't know what to do or something like that. And it will, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It might seem dark and dreary when you're going through all this because it did for me. But my main message is to speak up and don't let the bullies win because they had a massive effect on my life, sadly, where I was in fear of trusting people for a good few years. And I lost my education to a degree, but... I, I got through it my own way and I'm doing my own kind of path, but it's but just, it, but it could don't been, let it the... Could, it could have been a very different outcome that day at the canal. That's that's what I would most worry about, Chris. Well, this is it, you see. It, when, when you're in those dark places, Patricia, it's just, you, you, you just see red and it's seconds, not minutes, seconds where a reaction can happen and that's where, that's where it is. Like even... For, being pushed down the stairs I could have been killed I could have broke my neck yeah, yeah, yeah. and th- just because someone wanted to be popular you know and it's 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 shocking and even if there's any bullies listening my message to them as well likewise for the victim if you're not if you're feeling you know out of place or if you're feeling rough in yourself if there's something going on at home and you, you're afraid to talk out with your friends talk to a teacher talk to anyone you're comfortable with you know get help yourself yeah speak up speak it, up 
Uh, a lot of people yeah. uh, listening uh, to you this morning, uh, Chris, and speaking about your incredible braveness in sharing it. Nicola in Fidown says, heartbreaking, Patricia. Uh, what a brave, strong young man Chris is. It actually brings t- tears to my eyes listening to his story this morning. I really hope his story helps so many other young people to have strength to talk about their problems and prompt the bullies to think about the impact of their actions. Thank you. And This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well done, Chris, says uh, oh, Thank Nicola. you, thank you. And someone else says, Patricia, listening to Chris, oh, that's awful bullying story. I really hope he's okay now and getting on with his life. God, it's frightening to think what he went through. I hope anyone being bullied will confide in someone. And that's, uh, that's from Mags, who says, best of luck to uh, Chris. And that's just some of the many texts coming in, just, you know, saying, well done to you for sharing the story. You will definitely help other people. People and uh, to stay to stay strong. And a couple of people asking a question that I was going to ask: the bullies themselves, Chris. You're all adults now. Do you ever come across them in your day to day life? Yes, I do. Um, one in particularly mostly um, because they live kind of in the neighbourhood area. Um, but uh, in a, in a way, I'm glad to say this. But in another way, I'm not. Um, I the life he's now living, it's a life of in and out of jail because of theft, uh, drugs and stuff like that. I've heard many stories. I don't know if they're all true, but he is in and out of jail. I know that for a fact. So it's it's sad to think that that's the life he's gone down. But to me, I'm not surprised either because if he was willing to cause trouble all the time and, and be around maybe people himself that's just attracted him to it, then it's kind of his own... It's his own life to screw up, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. And well, you've got your life back on track. We wish you luck with your programme. Chris Sherlock on the wireless podcast as well you have. Haven't you a podcast? 
That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, all the interviews from the show uh, with with signed artists and unsigned artists, I do an all Irish so show where I feature the Irish music and wh- whether you're a comedian or a singer or a musician, uh, actor, with, you're, you're welcome on the show well and we'll done. chat about whatever it is you're involved well in and, and we'll plug it. You're a great ambassador for Mental Health uh, Ireland. Uh, Chris, stay safe and stay strong. And thank you for joining us on the programme. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Patricia. My pleasure as well. Thank you very much. Good morning to you, Chris Sherlock. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.